the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Markets are trying to battle out a good day after having five up days. Yesterday, there was a, kind of a late-day news cycle thing happening where Mitch McConnell said, oh, yeah. I'm trying to do it like a, a Kentucky accent. I'm like, just don't do it. Don't do a Kentucky accent. But he was like, oh, yeah, money's coming. We're going to do one more stimulus of $1 trillion. And you're like, whoa, okay, we got another stimulus, a trillion dollars coming. But this one's not going to be the easy one. The first one was the easy one. The second one eh, was pretty easy. Third one, we're like, woohoo, woohoo, let's let's do another one. Fourth one, we're going to start getting into what happened with the first three trillion dollars. So it's going to be a little bit tougher, but it's nice that they're talking about it. Uh, earlier in the show, I was talking about maybe restaurants need a bell. Like, who's next? Who is next? We got the small businesses check. Was that enough? Probably not. But you get the idea that Wall Street kind of likes that idea of stimulus down the road. NASDAQ opened in the red today. NASDAQ's at an all-time high. It opened in the red. Names like Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Netflix, essentially all at all-time highs. And you're like, whoa. And they're all moving up big. Like NASDAQ's up six-tenths of a percent. But Apple, a stock that I own, is up one6 um, bigger than the market. And it's so money's flowing in outsized ways to outsized companies who've already had outside great freaking fracking careers. Like, does Amazon really need to be more expensive to be king of the world? It's ponderous to think about that uh, Amazon CEO is getting so rich every day. And again, I, it's not for me to judge. Or is it? I don't know. 2020 feels like a year that maybe I'm going to start rethinking everything in a good way, maybe. But U.S. hiring races to a record high in May. Layoffs are, are starting to slow. We still have a long way to go in the employment report for me to say, well, that employment number is conducive to a good stock market. We're not there. But we have the stimulus in theory that's going to get us there. Do you believe that? SP 500 drops, pacing an end to the five session winning streak as economic uh, concerns linger, virus concerns linger. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't even want to listen anymore when people are like, what do you think is going to happen to schools in the fall? How about the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, we don't because that answer has changed like 55 times uh, in the last month, and I think people are getting a little fatigued. So White House wants stimulus by August recess of Congress. 
when when Congress wants to get their butts home and go campaign. So there's kind of this line in the sand. If we get it, maybe that gives us another push higher. If we don't get it, maybe that gives us the reason to sell off. And we know first week of August is when the president's put this yeah, – I say the president, but I shouldn't even say that. The White House wants Congress to pass another stimulus before August. And that would actually probably help re-election. The better the economy is and if it's better by beg, steal, or borrow or st- stimulus funds, we're fine. It's, at least it's better. We're a little naive there, um, but we'll take it. Record highs are record highs. My portfolio, my net worth hit a record high yesterday. And that may make me sound indecent. It may make me sound crude. It may make me sound crass. Um, but that's kind of one of the side effects here of all the stimulus. So hopefully you've stayed somewhat invested. If you have, your risk profile has gone up. Because now we're saying first week of August. Doesn't mean it'll happen because the Fed has said we're not raising interest rates till 2022. We're leaving. We're going to leave the door open for you, but please lock up on your way out. Now, again, I take the Federal Reserve saying they're not going to do anything until 2022 as a grain of salt because they will look at data if data improves. But it is interesting to note Amazon's up today, not more than the market, but another eight bucks. Regeneron Pharmaceuticals yesterday said they got a $450 million contract in the United States government for coronavirus therapy. Now, I might have watched Independence Day the other day. Might have been strung out from sitting in front of smoke, smoking ribs or something like that. Like, And then there's that moment in Independence Day where today – and it was like maybe August 32nd, August 31st. August 31st will go down in history as our new Independence Day. Will there be a new Independence Day announced after COVID is reckoned with, whether it be Regeneron Pharmaceutical or Novavax? Novavax, they have almost the same press release today. Their stock's getting rewarded. And again, what's interesting about this is we saw Moderna have a similar press release. We've seen, seen Pfizer have a similar press release. Hey, Phase three is going good, and now we're getting some funding just in case we hit it. If phase three goes good and we, we feel like we're pushing people's antibodies higher, there's at least four major companies in the last seven trading sessions that have announced we're getting closer. Will that be our new Independence Day? I remember when we could go back into restaurants. It was that brave scientist at Novavax, Eugene Detweiler. I know you're saying it was Eugene Detweiler. I don't know. But you get the idea. Hey, there's um, some kind of a funny backstories out there. Australia is imposing a six-week stay-at-home restriction. Um, again, one of those countries that was doing very well opened back up, and now they're saying stay back at home for six more weeks. Huh. It the, Again, I'm not going to get into take sunshine pills to cure your maladies. And here's my discount code. But it seems like the news isn't changing that much on how pervasive this flu is with its staying power. But then the companies are coming to the, the, the rescue, the biotech companies, the Novavax, the Modernas. And again, have you ever heard of Moderna before COVID-19? Probably not. Israeli biotech company. You know, one thing I love about Israel is for a very small country, 
they are kick butt at technology. Both their biotechs, their medical devices, and uh, even you know their their software, some crazy crazy high end stuff. And that's something I'm going to miss one day. You know what the cutest thing in the world? Uh, one of my children said to me the, the other day. He goes, "When I die, I'm going to miss like all the cool technologies that come out 20 years after I die. Like they'll probably have floating cars and stuff." I'm like, dude, you are so like me. Because that's the only thing. I don't mind dying. I'm good with it. I'll just miss the cool technology. I'm like, you are my kid. Yes. It was a nice moment. So the comeback today on Wall Street, I know you're saying, "Uh uh-oh. We're trying to go up after five up days. We're stretching into record territories. But it's just mega cap companies. Oh, that's, that's a story that's getting old. But... Atlanta Fed chief, this isn't a fun story. A guy named Bostic said he's getting nervous about signs that economic activity is leveling off. That's a big concern of we only halfway reopen before we fully reopen. And the economic data shows that we're only halfway. China isn't fulfilling their phase one trade deal. And Carnival canceled more cruises. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. A lot of fatigue going on out there. A lot of question marks like Disney stock looks cheap compared to where it was pre-COVID. But COVID is one of the ones that hurts travel, and COVID's one of the ones that hurts leisure stocks like uh, theme parks. But it looks cheap. There's a lot of questions. Uh, CFP Chad Burton is here to help us answer some of them. Mr. Burton, I have a quick question for you. How is technology, how is Zoom changing you? Oh, we don't have Chad yet. Thought we did. So on to story number two. Burger King has quietly released a $1 mini shake. <laughs> don't you wish we lived in this world right now where we could talk about milkshakes? As product, like Intel has a CPU that's the best CPU ever. But there's an argument like maybe CPU companies get replaced by GPU companies and video one day will be bigger than Intel. So you kind of get into these stories and you're like, okay, product, I get product, I get product. Um, but you can, it can kind of mislead you a little bit here and there. Burger King is quietly launched. A cool down snack, a miniature milkshake for $1. It's nine ounces. It's cute. I like stories like this because it shows you how easy it is to look at Wall Street. Hey, I don't go to Burger King, and I don't know anyone who's my age who goes to Burger King. Burger King, to me, is number one, a place to stop to urinate on a road trip. And place number two, if there's nowhere else, I'll eat there. But younger people will eat there. The food's cheap. And now you get a mini milkshake for $1. You're like, ooh. That sounds like a nice little dessert for my children, and it's $1. Um, so I may swing by kind of thing, uh, but maybe not. Get the idea that a regular-sized chocolate shake at Burger King is 761 calories. The 9-ounce version is 370. Uh, to do stories like that again and talk about product would be a nice relief. Let's bring CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you today? We had a little technology snafu there. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing well. Um, I wanted to start with a question on how is technology changing the world of financial planning? We don't have to answer that. 
but you could if you want to. Well, I, I mean, it's it's made the investing side a lot easier, and I think that a lot of these, you know, face-to-face meetings via Zoom or go-to meeting with video, um, people are going to just kind of want to do those even more rather than try to drive to an office somewhere. Um, so now that you can have a personal touch with an online meeting, it's kind of nice. I like it. And uh, a sweet twist on that is you and I are going to be doing a webinar, our first webinar in quite a while, our first active marketing push, so to speak. Um, we're getting back to business. We're getting back in order, so to speak. We're no longer just sheltering. Does that sound about right or am I making that up? No, it sounds about right. And I think a lot of, a lot of people have more questions about retirement now than they ever have before after going through all of this last crazy quarter that we went through. July 16th webinar, people could find it at newfocusfinancial.com. So, Chad, rates are incredibly low right now. Some stocks are cheap, some are expensive. Disney is a great example. It's tough to see which one it is. If a person's close to retirement and they've got cash to invest, where would you be putting new money right now? Well, the first thing you have to do is do a long-term cash flow projection to see, you know, how close are you really to being ready for retirement? Are you truly within 10 years? Are you within five years? Uh, Because... When you get into that point and you you go through a financial planning process, which even says, okay, based on your tax situation, which accounts are you going to be drawing from first or or, or combination of accounts between your retirement accounts and your normal accounts and your cash? And the reason why you need that long-term cash flow protection or projection that says, okay, yes, I do have enough money to last till I'm 100, that will tell you how much cash you're going to need on the sidelines because you'll be able to clearly see how much over and above your social security, your any other pension income, how much are you going to pull from your portfolio on an annual basis? And you need three years worth of that amount in a safe, safe place. So for some, if they got a bunch of a cash, maybe, you know, they sold some stock options at work, sold a property, inherited something. That's the first thing that they would want to shore up is their safe money. If they're within, especially if they're within five years from retirement uh, and and you got to have that dialed in so that when you do have those big corrections like we saw in 08 and 09 or in the you know first quarter um, that you don't have to sell stocks to live you just live off your cash and then that way stocks will recover because they always do so that's safe that's money a funny concept selling stocks to live but go ahead so, it, it, yeah that's where you get into that mathematical problem right it's like you want to hold these stocks because they pay dividends and you like that income, but you need a little bit more than the dividends this year. So if you have to sell to pay your expenses after the market's dropped, you have less shares that are there to recover. So it's a mathematical nightmare. So you always have to protect yourself from not having to sell from either emotion or to pay expenses. And that's why you have to have a certain amount of safe money and a certain amount of dividends and interest being kicked off from your portfolio to get you through those bad times. And, you know, this is nothing. And you're, you've been hearing me say this since 1999, so you're probably – a little over it by now, but it's worked several times. We need a romantic holiday because our marriage is kind of repetitive and dull because it has been very repetitive <laughs> since 1999. Let people try to figure that one out. Um, so, Chad, you know, one problem I think people have, though, is timing the market. And they're, they're tempted to try to do it perfectly. And I'm like, oh, what do you do if you have a big chunk of cash? And we have about two minutes. Uh, a non-emotional averaging in plan. So every time I've done this, though, I will tell you that whenever we've set up a plan, okay, we're going to average in over, you know, three months, six months, you know, a year, whatever. Every single person, including myself, would have wished we would have just gone all in in the beginning. 
really? but for some, they can't handle that emotional roller coaster ride. And it just, it's too scary to dump it all in at once. As soon as you dump it in, you're starting dividends and interest and everything else. Typically, because the market's positive 70% of the time, if you average in over a long period of time, you're going to wish you would have bought earlier. But again, it's, it's managing emotions. And sometimes it's easier picking like a three, six month period, something like that to slowly go in at a specific date, take out the emotion, you know, block out the noise of the market. Maybe if there's a dip, you put a little bit more in, but but just stick with the plan so you can learn to take the emotion out of investing and not make those mistakes. That's tougher to do than it sounds, right? Be greedy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others are greedy. People can find UCFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of new technology, a lot of meetings going on uh, distantly right now. They can find it at newfocusfinancial.com. And there's a big seminar coming up, webinar, July 16th. You can sign up for it today. Ideally, you'd be cruising towards retirement to get a lot of the information most important out of that. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. That last segment wasn't my best. We had some technical difficulties with CFP, Chad Burton. I hope you got enough out of that, though, on what do you do with cash and how much cash do you have in a bad market? Interest rates are low, so your cash isn't getting a big yield. Some stocks are cheap. Some stocks are expensive. Some stocks are both cheap and expensive. You know, the best case I can make on that one is a company called Disney where it feels like, well, historically, it, it's got some upside. But then again, we don't know when we're going to go see Mona. Is it Mona? Mona? What's their next big uh, movie coming out? Is it Hamilton? Is it like we don't know when we're going to get back there? When it's going to be that kids are going to be singing, uh, let it go, let it go, let it go, Frozen 2 stuff, right? I, I wish we were in July slash moving into August where we're talking like, hey, Halloween's coming up, kids. What are you going to be? How much will Americans spend on Halloween? I don't know. Disney played Hamilton on its Disney Plus streaming service and we're all talking about it. We're all buzzing about it. Disney seems well positioned. But again, when do we go back to the movies and when do we go back to theme parks? They're very difficult businesses to operate during a pandemic. Now, they don't own the movie theaters, but they own the movies that go in them. And Disney will be just fine, I get the feeling. Maybe even stronger. Because you know what just happened for me? I watched Hamilton on July 4th. A great American patriot. I could see myself watching Hamilton every July 4th. It's like that Christmas story you watch every Christmas. Right? Right? Wrong. So um, it's interesting to watch like Disney versus Netflix. Netflix is a pure streaming investment, up 52% this year, up 30% last year. Disney stock is down 21% in the last year. I own shares of Disney for the record. You know why I bought shares of Disney? One simple reason. When I was a kid, I always wanted to go to Disneyland. I've heard kids always want to go to Disneyland. Um, I know a female who was in her 30s and a man proposed to her at Disneyland. And I'm like, seriously? Aren't men supposed to be a little more romantic? Like, don't you want Mexico or Hawaii during a sunset beach walk? Disneyland? We have a culture of people that are fascinated with Disney. Fascinated. My sister and her family vacation at least once a year to one property. 
and they, they kind of plan one of their two vacations or one of their three vacations around it. So anyway, Disney's kind of interesting, but it's down. So it's kind of got this half and half thing going on, right? Half analysts say buy it, half analysts say sell it. That's kind of odd. They have some debt, obviously. They have a lot of employees. They have a lot of convincing to do that their parks are safe. If you've ever been to Disney, like, here's how iconic it is. If you get there when the park opens, everyone's happy and thrilled. If you get there when the park's closed and you go out in the parking lot, and I, I so badly wanted to do this as a, as a filmmaker kind of thing, it's the saddest place on the planet. The kids are melting down. They've had too much sugar. They're sunburned. They smell of like sunscreen that's been lathered on too much and got in their eyes. It's just a miserable place to be. And that's why I want to own the stock. So, again, will we get through COVID? Yes. Um, I believe so. Did Disney get through World War I? It wasn't around then. <laughs> Did they get through World War II? And it wasn't around then. Did they get through Vietnam? Did they get through Korea? Did they get through 9-11? was a big test for them. I remember the day 9-11 happened. I was on air for five hours in the morning, and then I had to do a three-hour radio show that night. And I was on East Coast time, so everything hit. Oh, bad, bad pun, right? Bad slip of the word. Bad turn of the phrase. But everything hit on 9-11 pretty early. And my radio show in the evening was pretty late. It was 7 o'clock East Coast time, but four o'clock Pacific and a woman from Pacific called uh, and she said I don't know what I'm going to do like I'm, I'm so scared to leave the house I'm like that's the number one thing you should do because you know as an American patriot waving the flag red white and blue red white and blue at a time when we were focused on being patriotic I was like you should go out and shop because terrorists win if we don't shop they're attacking our way of life not our not our beautiful landmarks <laughs> Oh, I don't want to get into that. I just is that controversial what I just said? I don't know. Um, anyway, um, Disney got through nine eleven when people were afraid to take their children out. So that's they can do it. We'll get through this, and it looks cheap long term. And again, I I don't know why I'm talking about so much about it. Um, I think it was in a story that I was reading in Barron's talking about research analysts and saying they've got more sales on the stock than they've ever had, which is interesting because it's a beloved stock. It's almost like buy stock, hold stock, do well. We don't think Disney can mess this up because what do they do every year? This is again, we're going to get back to talking about this. They raise prices. And you're like, wait, they just raised the single day pass from $100 to $109, a 9% increase, like that hits the bottom line pretty nicely. If, unless their employees got 9% raises. Some of them did. But you get the idea. Um, it used to be really easy. And now there's some questions. And the best time to buy a stock is when there's questions about it. When everyone loves it, meh. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, some of the research I'm reading right now are like movie theaters and how they're going to spray this theater. And I'm like, that just makes me want to buy Best Buy, uh, a play on bigger TVs, stereo systems at home. Hey, I don't know if I want to go back to a movie theater, right? How have you changed in this? There's nothing better than a movie theater, a summer blockbuster where you get popcorn and you get your soda and you're sitting there waiting for the movie to start. And it's like it's almost too salty. Perfect. I know you're saying I think you just coined a phrase almost too salty. Perfect. Carnival Cruise Lines has canceled more cruises. 
there's not going to be a, a switch that says we're back. There's not going to be a sign in the air that starts blinking in neon. I'm still invested. I don't think we're back. I'll think we're back when we're not doing Carnival Cruise canceling stories. Uh, a lot of continuing damage. The company said in a release that their itineraries of their ship Mardi Gras um, out of Florida has been canceled. Um, it's a ship that can hold over 5,000 people. They're kind of saying, okay, we're going to do 2,000 people cruises. We're going to do 1,000 people. They're trying to figure out the math of all this. Here's the best thing. Here's the worst thing. Now is probably the best time to get a, a, a deal on a cruise. But no one wants to go on cruises right now. Carnival last month said that it's going to burn about $650 million of cash a month. So it's got a cash flow problem. Do you know that about all your companies? Which companies have cash flow problems? Which companies don't? If you don't have that concept in your head, Apple generates cash every 90 days. That gives them the ability to purchase research and development, to purchase their own shares back, to increase their dividend, give more cash to their shareholders, to hire new employees. It gives them more cash flow to build a building. Cash flow is important. So when I hear Carnival Cruise Lines has $6.6 billion in capital, but most of that is debt, oh boy. They're burning through a lot of cash. So $7.6 billion is what they have left. $650 million of cash burn right now a month. <laughs> That's in the second half of the year. So they've had... Oh, man. They've had time to write their ship, but they have too much debt. I will tell you, like, um, you pick two stocks. You show me the, the financials. I'm instantly going to see the one that has debt and say, I'll pass on that one. Or this one looks more attractive because it has less debt to equity. Better margins. Um, those are things that I like that we don't talk about a lot on the show, but debt is a poison. Um, it can... It, it can creep up on you. NVIDIA chips. The old story of NVIDIA versus AMD. No, this is the story of NVIDIA versus Intel. NVIDIA's chips known for powering video game graphics are getting more and more powerful, and they're poised to take over Intel for the first time as the largest U.S. semiconductor maker by market value. It's almost like I want to get the Olympic torch and run it through Palo Alto. Take it to Sunnyvale and Cupertino and go, did, I, did we just see this? Did NVIDIA just pass Intel? Like Intel in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, every computer had Intel inside. And they had a marketing campaign called Intel Inside. And for the first time, NVIDIA is taking the market cap crown away. GPUs are rock, scissors, paper more powerful than CPUs. In the market's mind. <laughs> and NVIDIA is doing it on data center sales. And let me just throw out one quick th thought for you right now. How many videos do you think YouTube has stored? I've created over 200 videos that I've stored there. How many videos in the world are there? And do you need a lot of graphics power to power that stuff? They're, they're in a good position, NVIDIA. So in Intel, they're in an okay position, but they're kind of more like your grandfather. 
I remember when I was a young man, I could do 100 push-ups. They can't do 100 push-ups anymore. But they share a little bit more dividend with you. They share a little bit more cash. Whereas NVIDIA is like, we need to save our cash. We need, we need the brightest and the bestest. NVIDIA is trading at 47 times forward earnings. That's crazy. But we live in crazy times. And people are glomming on to big tech. And NVIDIA is one of the big techs. And today we pass the crown, the, the, the torch, where <clears throat> as a small child, I wanted to live in Silicon Valley. I love it when people say Silicon Valley and they don't know the difference between the two words. But Intel, Intel's passing the crown a little bit. That's, that makes me kind of poetic and nostalgic. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, five updates. Are we geared to break that streak? It looks like it. Would I be surprised if we'd go up six? No. Is it healthy to always go up? No. But you, you don't get the chicken bones. You don't get the ability to predict this stuff with a lot of – I don't want to use the word clarity incorrectly, but you get the idea. Let's talk about what we saw yesterday. I thought there, this was pretty interesting. Uber met its match in acquired Postmates. Now, Wall Street liked that. I've been in Ubers. I've ordered from Grubhubs. I've never used Postmates. Don't know why, but that's out there, okay? So we all know these companies, I think. But Uber went up on the news, and they're acquiring a company. Wall Street tends not to like the company that's doing the acquiring. They tend to like the acquiree because someone's paying a premium for them is the thought. So Wall Street must have really liked this deal or they must have really appreciated that Grubhub didn't happen. That the United States government probably wasn't going to bless that acquisition because they're too big, both of them. So going after a much smaller Postmates, eh, it's good. Typically, you see the acquiring company's stock trade lower, right, when they announce a deal in an all-stock transaction. I was discussing this yesterday that I think it was part of Uber's plan all along to do massive layoffs because right before they did their IPO a few years ago, they did a massive hire everyone they could spree, start the service everywhere they could, lose money essentially everywhere they could by giving promos, go public with great revenues, and then let the insiders start to sell out. But also have kind of a planned strategy. I remember a friend of mine works for the company, and at the time he gave me some insider news, so I didn't trade on it. He didn't give it to me. I just kind of overheard him talking. But the inside information, I don't know how insider it was, but it was, it was from a legit source. It was something along the lines of Uber's eventually going to release a credit card and they're going to set up credit card rewards, like take a look at Starbucks, rewards, apps. People love it. That's how you get someone loyal. Three trips and you get one for free. Three trips and you get a free coffee. Um, three trips and you get a free scone. Like it's not that hard to come up with that business model. But we knew they were saving that or I – kind of figure that out because after the after you get public they're, they're like hey look this is my business and then if you don't have some planned data to drop you're missing an opportunity to keep people's attention you got them with the ipo but 
Now then, like, hey, 30 days later, did you hear Uber just announced a credit card rewards point system? And they were doing this kind of funny thing where drivers could get paid that day. They could settle up their, their rides that day. So if they had to go get gas, they weren't down money for the day. They were trying to sell that as kind of a, a cool feature. Eh. But Wall Street liked the Uber deal. Like I said, it's usually a, a company goes down in value when they, they buy another company for all stock because it's dilutive likely. Otherwise, the acquiring company Postmates uh, would say something like, I don't think you paid enough for us because your stock didn't go down. People like us. They think we're going to be a good addition to you. We should charge you more. So Postmates has a huge uh, following uh, in Los Angeles. Uber Eats has almost no users in Los Angeles. I've never used Postmates. I don't live in L.A. Uh, CFP Chad Burton from Pacific Northwest, he uses Postmates. I'm like, I never, it's not on my radar. But again, so Uber, Wall Street's cheering because they acquired a company that's got exposure in L.A. that they don't. So they're acquiring market share. Postmates is known for its strong relationships with small and medium-sized restaurants. Uber's kind of a jerk. Uber Eats, on the other hand, is really focused on big chains like McDonald's, and they're doing quite well with it. So Uber is saying, hey, we acquired Postmates, and this is good for restaurants because it's going to offer more tools, more technology, and more easily and cost-effectively connect with a bigger consumer base. That's kind of true, right? Now, again, we've started the consolidation in this space. We've, and when you cut consolidate or when you start consolidation, you increase competition. When you increase competition, um, they're going to be judged a little bit more on efficiencies. So they have to get uh, a little bit more profitable. So the Grubhubs, the Uber Eats, the DoorDashes, the Postmates, the Amazon restaurants, the Caviars, there's too many. There's too much competition. But the quality of competition is pretty weak right now. As they get better and more laser focused, that'll up the game. So the question for this Uber acquiring Grubhub, it didn't happen, too big, can't happen, right? So Grubhub got left at the altar. Grubhub went off and got married to a European company, just like Grubhub. They have to go off and go go, go all French on us and eat uh, from the, the pie of a company called JustEatTakeaway.com. You're like, oh. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they had different geographies. There wasn't a lot of competition or a lot of competition going away. They're expanding their market just like Uber's expanding their market. But they are also taking a competitor off the market at the same time. So the question is, what's Lyft going to do? Is Lyft just going to look at Amazon and Uber and Grubhub and go, yeah, we don't need to do – we don't need to be all that cool there even though it's a way of doing their business model. Interesting, right? So Wall Street likes that. I don't own any Uber. I think I could make a case for it, but I don't own it. There's, do you know what one problem I have is there's too many damn good stocks. That's why I never understand why people would own. And again, I'm just this is an easy knock for me. A cruise line. Um, that seems like you're making your life difficult when there's other leisure type of investments you could have that have similar exposures, but let maybe less risk. Or, I don't know, I shouldn't knock cruise lines. 
I'm knocking cruise lines. That's where I've got to do my in my life, right? Uh, markets. It's early on, but after five days, it looks like maybe a closing session's in order. Or do we Rocky Balboa fight our way back? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Big webinar coming up in July. Listen to the commercials. 